18 minutes it is before 8 p.m. Now, uh, APSA, uh, that uh, bank today, uh, releasing its uh, interim results for the six months ending 30th of June. And uh, these uh, figures indicating that uh, they saw the normalized revenue uh, increasing by 6% to 39 billion rand. Uh, also saw its operations across the continent of Africa growing by 8% uh, to uh, contribute 1.7 billion rand. And uh, also I saw a, a decline in the corporate investment banking here in South Africa of around 10 percentage points there. And uh, they've also come out and uh, said they've completed the process. They've completed the process uh, of uh, appointing uh, the uh, chief executive officer to uh, replace uh, uh, exiting uh, CEO there, Maria Ramos, who retired in February and uh, uh, the uh, I guess uh, Renee van Veek, a former registrar of banks at the South African Reserve Bank, has stepped stepped in as interim CEO in March. And uh, they've been mum, uh, despite saying that they've concluded the recruiting process on who that uh, CEO is going to be. And I'm joined on the line to speak about uh, some of these numbers here by uh, Bongiwa Kangeni, who's the Deputy Chief Executive Officer for Retail and Business Banking at APSA. Bongiwa, good evening to you, Siswam Gunjan. Good evening, um, Ayabonga. I'm well. How are you? I'm very well, thank you. Let's maybe start off here. I, I mean, releasing, I guess, uh, you know, a set of interim results here, coming from a period uh, that has certainly been a tough one uh, for the South African economy, and we always know that uh, banks uh, do. Uh, uh, they don't do. Needs to face a lot of headwinds. Um, I think, as we all know, from a macroeconomic perspective. If we look at our results, particularly in the retail and business banking space, obviously like services and you know consumers as well as business bank customers, we've seen growth um, at a revenue level. Um, you know, whilst we've seen our impairments grow, but if you look at our credit loss, um, you know, credit loss rate over the period, um, I think we still very comfortable with where the number sits. So I think, despite the challenges that we've seen, we continue to see pockets of um, good performance because we've also seen solid balance sheet growth. Um, so we've grown our loans and advances and have also grown um, our deposits across the franchise. Mm-hmm. And, and I guess when you look at some of your continental operations, I mean, I'd be quite interested uh, in uh, you know how those have performed and fared, least of all since your separation from uh, your erstwhile parent company there at Barclays. Okay. So I think you would have seen that um, obviously our... Um, the rest of Africa, what we call our Africa, you know, our APSA regional operations, have continued to also perform well, continuing to make their contribution um, to the group. We are obviously on a journey um, to separate from Barclays um, in that part of the world, and we've given an update that says we are well on track, um, you know, to deliver that. We expect that to be completed in 2020. And we, we expect to continue to see the positive, you know, a positive contribution from that part of our business as we grow um, in that, you know, in the rest of Africa. Mm. Let's talk just briefly about the division that you lead, which is uh, the retail and business banking uh, offering. I'm quite interested in, I guess, what you make of the competitive environment. We went to the market last year clearly articulating a revised strategy, which is premised on growth, post the separation um, with Barclays, and I think we have been on that journey over sort of the last 12 months, which is just around us redefining, um, you know, where we want to play in the market and, um, you know, essentially wanting to recapture the market share that we've lost, um, you know, over the recent past. If you look at our numbers, you'll see that we've made solid progress 
um, you know, we've shown growth um, both at an income level, um, but also at a balance sheet level. And as we start making headway um, in that retail and business banking space, I think we all know that banking has increasingly become competitive with lots of new players coming into the play. But we do believe that as a full service bank, it still gives us, um, you know, a better, um, you know, positioning in terms of our customer base, our ability to provide our customers with a fully fleshed financial services offering that doesn't only cover you know, a transactional offering, but talks to their credit needs as well, whether it's a home loan or the actual finance requirement. So that, we think, you know, will continue, um, you know, to be in our favor. We also know, to your point that you've made earlier on, that there are lots of fintechs that are coming, you know, onto mm. the stream um, and they're either partnering with existing banks or going at it on their own. I mean, I think you would have seen that the traditional banks are doing a lot from a digital play perspective. We've certainly seen an increasing number of our customers take up our digital offering. We've seen about a 30% growth in number of customers that have taken up our app. So increasing... Earlier. Well, it is a big focus around the growth agenda that we are driving. Um, so we've also seen uh, particularly good performance from a production perspective um, in our personal um, loans business. We still have a fairly low market share in that space, and so we believe as a business that there's still far bigger scope for us to grow in that particular space. On the deposit side, you'll remember that towards the end of last year, we ran um, a campaign um, specifically targeting fixed deposits. Mm. So that continues to give us the uplift, but we've also continued to see growth in that fixed deposit space. We are starting to see significant market pressure as obviously that investment part or deposit part of of the business um, increasingly becomes competitive with a lot of players really trying to gain retail deposits in the market. Okay, let's pause there for a second, uh, Wongi, and uh, take a brief break. And when we come back, we continue our conversation. Also want uh, maybe to hear some of your perspectives about uh, some of the big structural changes that are happening in the banking sector and uh, the layoffs associated with that. Uh, We had a chat yesterday with uh, the General Secretary of SASPO and uh, they were certainly on the warpath. And I'd love to hear from uh, you guys at APSA. Of course, uh, how you intend to respond uh, to some of the, uh, I guess, uh, some of the uh, issues that they have raised. And uh, more importantly, I guess, the uh, looming specter of industrial action in the banking sector for the first time uh, since uh, 1920. But let's take this break. It's eight minutes now before 8 p.m. And uh, you uh, tuned in to our business wrap here on Metro FM Talk. I'm in conversation with Ebongi uh, Wakangian, who's the Deputy Chief Executive of uh, Retail and Business Banking at APSA. And they released their interim results for the year ending, uh, for the half year ending on uh, 30th of June, uh, 2019, and uh, seeing some uh, positives there. And Abongi, uh, before we get, I guess, into some of the big issues here uh, from a layoffs and a retrenchments perspective, we're quite interested in uh, the performance of your corporate and investment banking uh, unit here, and uh, also uh, you, you touched briefly on your retail operations. But uh, I, I mean, your CIB division uh, certainly, uh, I guess, uh, didn't have the kind of showing you would have liked. No, it didn't. Um, and if you look at the numbers, you'll see that the corporate transactional business um, has had a good year. Um, we've had some challenges in our investment banking business. But I do think that Ayabonga, that's probably, you know, the beauty of having a diversified portfolio 
because when the one part of the bank um, isn't necessarily in a good space, the other parts are able to carry the bank. Mm. Um, so that part of our business has had challenges, largely driven by you know performance from a market um, you know perspective. But if you look at it, it's not the full you know CID business that um, you know hasn't been able to to deliver. Mm. If you look at our core transactional corporate. Um, you know, business that has performed fairly okay. Mm-hmm. And let's talk briefly here. Uh, I mean, I, I guess on the one hand, we've touched on some of the structural changes that are set to affect uh, your industry. One of those is uh, uh, the digitization of many processes that would have been, uh, I wouldn't call it labor intensive, but would have involved, uh, you know, some sort of physical human labor, which uh, you can easily automate or digitize. Many of us uh, doing our transactional banking online. Uh, but, uh, I mean, despite that, uh, we've also seen many people still opting for the physical presence. I, I'd be interested to hear, I guess, what, what some of your ideas are when it comes to some of your legacy systems, in particular your branch network, uh, because uh, we, we've certainly seen from many of the other banks closing up of uh, branches or even downsizing uh, some of those branches. What considerations go into uh, the decisions made about the future of uh, some of the branches that you have in your network? I think you make a very important point that, you know, although we're seeing a growth um, in the digital space with customers increasingly, you know, engaging banks through the digital platform, our branch of physical channel presence is still a very important component in South Africa. In fact, what we are finding is that where a customer wants to open a transactional account, a significant percentage of that still happens through our branch network. Mm. Increasingly, customers are using, you know, your digital platform from a servicing component um, or for lending type, you know, um, you, you know, products. Um, but if we're, we're customers are looking for a core transactional account, we're still seeing customers walk, you know, into our branches, wanting to have a face-to-face conversation, um, you know, with, with, with an individual. Now, that doesn't mean that we aren't seeing structural changes in terms of, you know, food fit, you know, feet into our branches, um, you know, the volumes that in our, are coming through our branches. The approach that we've taken at Upside is one that says we are not on a drive to close down branches, mm. but we are looking at how do we make sure that our branches from a size perspective, are, you know, are, are the appropriate size. Um, and that we are placed in the right spaces. So there isn't a specific drive that's about generically closing branches, but we are assessing the efficiency, you know, the sort of activities that we offer in our branches are the things that we no longer need to offer to a branch, and therefore you can rationalize, you know, the size of the branch so that it's appropriate for what you want to deliver. Mm. Are you taking a similar approach? Uh, I mean, uh, you speak a lot about appropriate size uh, when it comes to your headcount. I mean, we've uh, heard about retrenchments and uh, all manner of uh, challenges. Uh, is it a similar set of considerations that factor uh, into your decision around the headcount? I think you mentioned earlier, you know, the issue around SASBO. I just want to, you know, just place it that we see SASBO as a very important stakeholder um, in our industry and we will continue to engage them. Mm. I think as it relates to the process that we've gone through, so we haven't gone on a drive of, you know, specifically driving retrenchments, um, you know, at APSA. So as I mentioned earlier, we, you know, um, sort of one about May last year, went through a process of redefining what our strategy would look like. On the back of that, we then defined an operating model. We, were, we then went through a process of ensuring that structurally as a business, we are set up 
to, you know, to be able to support the operating model Mm -hmm. that we wanted to deliver to going forward. And on the basis of that, that, you know, we then went through, you know, some restructure process that really ended up with people, you know, um, either not being appropriately skilled for some of the specific roles that we had now defined. But there wasn't a specific drive to say we want to exit a, a, a set number of you know, employees from APSA. It was really on the back of a strategy process that, by the way, was involved, um, you know, a lot of our colleagues. We consulted with our colleagues around what strategy we wanted as a business. And on the back of that, created an operating model and then tried to ensure that structurally we are set up to support that operating model. Mm. Let's just talk briefly here about, uh, I guess, what then happens to many of the people uh, whose jobs might get the chop here. We spoke uh, to SASPO yesterday and they flagged that much of the, you know, where your counterparts in the banking sector speak about reskilling, retooling and repurposing the skill set that many of these uh, workers have and maybe transitioning some of them into entrepreneurship uh, and uh, one gets a sense certainly with the, with the kind of uh, uncertainty and uh, the urgency with which that conversation is happening that uh, much of the dialogue uh, be it in the bank seater or even in the in seater uh, which uh, would involve I would think uh, you know some of uh, your counterparts within the bank and even within the industry uh, potentially hadn't seen this coming uh, uh, down the pike or uh, hadn't adequately planned for it going forward. I think, as I mentioned, Ayabonga, we've actively engaged, um, at least from an APSA perspective, um, you know, I can't speak on behalf of the industry, mm. we've actively engaged SASPO throughout the process um, around our plans, the strategy, the operating model, and the restructure and the impact of that. We've also engaged, you know, them around, um, you know, the process that, you know, the, the colleagues go through, because we do offer support services for the colleagues that are not necessarily placed, um, both in terms of trying to find alternative employment internally, um, you know, supporting them with um, the ability to put together CVs, helping them look for opportunities. So we have extensively engaged, you know, SASPO right through the process um, as we're going to, um, you know, the, the restructure process. Mm-hmm. And uh, just before we let you go, I mean, let's talk about that dividend there. We saw it coming in at uh, five rand and five cents per share, up 3%. Uh, what is some of the thinking there? I mean, in a tough economic environment uh, where, yes, your, your, your earnings uh, have uh, certainly weathered some of the economic headwinds you're referring to above. Uh, uh, I guess, you know, paying a dividend like this might be seen by many as generous. Well, I think, you know, any dividend um, decision is well thought through. Mm. Um, it would have gone through a thorough internal process, you know, with our board, um, with all relevant stakeholders, and this is the decision that they would have arrived at. Okay. Bungi, we'll have to leave it there. This is one pleasure catching up with you, and a big thank you for taking time out to speak to us. Fantastic. Thank you for your time, Ayamong. That there was Bongiwe Kangeni. She's the Deputy Chief Executive uh, for Retail and Business Banking at APSA, which uh, that uh, bank came out uh, earlier on today with their interim results uh, for the uh, six-month ending on 30 June 2019, that uh, first half of the year. And uh, she was speaking to us uh, uh, this evening about uh, some of the big issues there, including, of course, the big elephant in the room, uh, some of those layoffs and retrenchments that are set uh, to happen in the banking sector.